Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Good morning and welcome to Coast View, the show that continues to celebrate the people who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Now, today is a little bit of a different kind of a show because what we've been focused on up to this point are Saints Fridays. And the fact that we're not having, quote unquote, completely a Saints Friday is an indication that the Saints lost. and that's unfortunate, but you know, so is life, and we move on. But I am really pleased that Jeff Duncan, uh, a reporter and columnist for The Athletic, um, he's been covering the Saints longer than anyone else on earth, will be joining us in the second half, and he'll be joining us each Friday, most Fridays from this point forward, not only to talk about the changes that are occurring on the Saints team, but you know, he's a sports enthusiast, obviously. That's important. He's on the Hall of Fame Selection Committee for the NFL. Uh, he's interested in horse racing, knows a tremendous amount about that. But uh, we'll just enjoy continuing to have the conversations with Jeff, and he'll give us the latest on the Saints and whatever else is on his mind. And the first part of the show is we're going to be having a guest to, to continue our conversations about things that are important to us here in Mississippi and coastal Mississippi. And today, I am really pleased to have Mike Hurst joining us. Mike is the former now U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Mississippi. Uh, Mike, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Rick. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Look, when I went back and I was so pleased that we were going to be visiting this morning, we can talk a little bit more about your your recent decision, and we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But what I what I was really interested in is just reconnecting because I went back and looked at the conversation we had. It was right after Hurricane Zeta. Uh, you had, you know, a lot of interest in the aftermath of the storm and making sure that things were going to be done legally and uh, in, in a way that protects Mississippians. Um, we talked about human trafficking. We even talked about uh, some of the things that you brought to the table from your time at the Mississippi Center for Public Policy. But it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And um, so it's great to sort of reconnect with you again to, to talk more specifically about the recent decision you made to step down as the Southern District U.S. Uh, attorney. But also, I want to hear more about what you're up to these days. So without any further ado, let me just say thank you for coming back on. And uh, tell me about tell me about what you've been up to in the recent past. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Yeah, on January 7th, 7th this year, I announced my uh, upcoming departure from the position of United States Attorney for the Southern District of Mississippi. My last day in the office was uh, last week, January 19th, um, the day before the inauguration of President Biden. and. We, as U.S. attorneys, serve at the will and pleasure of the president of the United States. And I just thought it was in the best interest of the country, the best interest of Mississippi, that President Biden should have his own U.S. attorney. Um, obviously, I'm a Republican. I was appointed by a Republican president. And, uh, and I have different views on the priorities of the Department of Justice and specifically the U.S. attorney's office. And so um, I chose to go ahead and step down and, and make that available for President Biden and his administration when they came in. Well, your time as U.S. Attorney was uh, really important to you. I know you had so many incredible passions, and we're going to we're going to get into what some of those things are and how you bring them into your current life. But what are you doing these days? So uh, this week, I actually started a new job with the uh, law firm of Phelps Dunbar LLP uh, in their Jackson office. They have offices all throughout the Southeast and London, England. 
And uh, I'm helping them in their litigation practice group, everything using my skill sets that I developed over the last 20 years, um, you know, in the U.S. Attorney's Office and my prior practice experience on Capitol Hill, any and all clients who need any type of uh, uh, help in the courtroom, outside the courtroom, litigation, government investigations, white collar defense and that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to be here. They have an incredible group across the entire firm. And uh, and you even have a, a Gulf Court office for your re- uh, listeners down there. So I'm excited to get to work and, and help uh, anyone who needs help, again, in litigation or outside the courtroom. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had interactions with Phelps Dunbar, Phelps Dunbar over a number of years, and they've been they've been active in the community. They've been active in policy development. They've been you know they they've got a, a literally a full service uh, a legal firm. Um, so you're going to be you're going to be focused very specifically in areas that you were able to learn a lot about while you were U.S. Attorney, I guess, huh? That's right, and we fully expect uh, having worked. Um, as an assistant United States attorney, a federal prosecutor during the Obama administration, we fully expect this new administration that's coming in to really turn their attention and start going after corporations, after energy, the ener- folks in the energy sector, as we've seen already with the, uh, the Keystone Pipeline, uh, environmental sector, healthcare sector. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities that individuals, corporations, boards of directors, presidents, CEOs, those individuals need help. From those who have been in government, who have uh, done uh, government investigations, both civil and criminal, and so we look forward to helping anyone again who needs that kind of help. Well, for anyone who had any illusions about where uh, President Biden might, you know, pay his attention to, uh, clearly his executive actions around the environment are going to be very significant. Do you think when you when you analyze that? Uh, we could probably spend a whole show on this subject, yeah. but I'm just just curious on the headline for this. Come back to you, Rick. <laughs> uh, do, do you think that the uh, that the headline for this is that uh, he he may actually test uh, the powers of the of the uh, of the executive you know you know power, and no, that no you know he might be stepping over the bounds of Congress in so so many different ways. No doubt. If you look at the last, I want to say, go back the last four presidents of the United States, no one has issued this many executive orders in the first seven days of their presidency. So I I think you're exactly right. I think this administration is going to test the boundaries, test the waters, if you will, of the executive authority of the president. And I think you're going to see a lot of challenges, which you've already seen from the Texas attorney general and others to this type of, um, you know, overreach, if you will, by the federal government. So you were born in Hickory in Newton County. That's right. And uh, we talked a lot about your early life, but um, you, because you grew up in a small town, but in a in a in a not so populated county in Mississippi, you were you actually had a good connection to core values of Mississippi, at least from your perspective. You you believed that in your heart of hearts, and you carried that with you in everything that you have done, haven't you? Absolutely. I, my, my, my upbringing uh, made me the man who I am today. My dad uh, was a blue collar worker. My dad, grandfather, uh, uncles, great uncles all worked for the Illinois Central Railroad. And so my dad continued uh, offshore work, pipeline work, drove a log truck for many years. My mom actually worked in state government. She was a, a true public servant. And that was her heart. And uh, I think both of those values from my blue collar, my hardworking father, to my mom, who's a a strong public servant, retired state employee, um, that combined to really propel me to do uh, a lot of public service and to really work hard to help 
you know, my fellow citizens. At the end of the day, I wanted to make Mississippi better than I found it. And I think we've done that over the last three and a half years in the U.S. Attorney's Office. So, Mike, when you think about the Republican Party today, uh, again, we could spend a whole show on this as well. But where do you think where do you think the party goes from here? Yeah, I think the party, if you look at the number of votes President Trump received in this last election, I think the party is energized. But at the same time, I think the party will return back to its core principles. Anytime we lose an election like this one that we recently lost, I think we always go back to what do we stand for? What are our our principles? What are the the foundational concepts that we all believe in that, that, frankly, we came together and formed the Republican Party on? And I I think you'll see a lot of that coming together. I know the media likes to portray the Republican Party as being divided and civil civil war within the party. I really, on the ground, I don't feel that's, that's the case, Ricky. I think folks are, you know, we're licking our wounds, obviously. But I think at the end of the day, over the next two years, and specifically looking at the next House race, I think uh, Republicans will be uh, better, and I think we're going to be stronger and more prepared for that, that upcoming congressional cycle. I think what we're going to see, too, as a result of some of the uh, executive orders that we're seeing and some of the conversations that will take place in Congress Maybe we'll get back to focusing on issues again and not personalities. Um, I, I think focusing on personalities was was um, was a, a loud sideshow side to some extent. Uh, the reality is that there is, there are some common principles. There are policies that that most Republicans, most conservatives agree with. And I think that what we're going to see is, you know, the pendulum is going to swing and uh, it's going to swing to wherever it swings to. And it's going to remind everybody why policy really does matter. Right? That's right. At, the, at the end of the day, policy really matters in a very big way. I hope, man, Mike, the, you know, my hope, and I've said this many times, but my hope is we can find our middle ground and that the centrists will prevail, that you know, we quit having these polarizing conversations and quit enabling social media to divide us in the way that it's doing today, and that we can somehow bring us together and have really good debates in America about where we want to take this country. Um, there's at least some hope that that's going to occur, isn't there? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think we as a party are always hopeful. We're, we as a party are optimistic. Um, it's like I tell my kids, get off the dang social media, pick up the phone and call your friend, go see your friend, talk. If we start talking to individuals face-to-face, frankly, whether they're Republican or Democrat, I think they'll we'll, we will find... We have a lot of things in common. We all want to take care of our families. We all want to work hard. We all want to make sure our neighborhoods, our communities are better. And you're exactly right about the uh, the principles, Ricky. I, I thought when you were talking, I thought about when I went to the RNC convention in 2016, I can't remember, I was at some event about uh, William F. Buckley, and they were giving out these little pins uh, that said, I'm a Buckley conservative. And what that made me think about was when William F. Buckley spoke, people listened because he talked about those principles, talked about those ideas. And you're exactly right. We've got to get back to that, those foundational concepts of the party and not so much the emotional side of it, which, you know, I think is where the Democratic Party is always. This is Mike Curse, the former U.S. attorney. We'll be back after this break. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Mike Hurst with us this morning. He's the former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Mississippi. 
And uh, we were talking about, you know, him, him stepping down with the new administration coming on and working now at Phelps Dunbar and his passions for Mississippi, a little bit about the Republican Party that we talked about. Where does it go from here? But during the break, Mike, we're talking just a little bit about the social dilemma, the documentary that's on Netflix about the role that social media is playing in our lives today. And um, um, my wife, Ann, hates it when I put anything on my Facebook feed because since I became started doing this show, I've added about, I don't know, two or 3,000 friends. And, wow. you know, as long as as long as they come in and are you know but mostly respectful I, I don't mind different points of view I came from you know I was in media for all my life I, I, I like different points of view right um, but my friends constantly come on and say Ricky you've got the patience of Job because some of the <laughs> some of the stuff that's happening I would refer to as kind of nonsense yeah. the division that social media companies are creating by controlling our news feeds and giving us information, that, that the artificial intelligence that, it, that they're using um, gives us information we want to see and making it appear that everyone in their news, our news feeds agree with us is a really dangerous place to be. And I posted something, I've only posted a couple of things about politics recently and the vitriol and the, <clears throat> the uh, conspiracy theories and the number of people who completely convince some alternate universe it's truly amazing, man. It's a real problem in America today. Do you have any comment about that? No, I think you're exactly right. It is dividing us. I think anytime someone can hide behind the screen and post these outlandish, outrageous uh, comments, I think it's really scary. It's like we talked about before the break. You know, we need to get off the keyboard and, and, and just get at the, at the lunch table. And sit across from people and talk to them. Um, you treat people a lot differently once you're looking at them right in the face. I can't agree more. I, I totally agree with that. And um, I'm still surprised because you know, a lot of people know, you know, they, they can go look at someone's profile on Facebook and see who they're talking to, but they're still willing to say the most unbelievable things. Uh, what I often talk on the show about something that Matthew McConaughey is involved in in Austin. Now, you know, he's got money and he's got fame. He's got a family. He believes his biggest legacy ultimately will be raising wonderful independent kids like all of us hope for. Um, but he's working with the mayor of Austin because he, you know, he lives in Austin and he believes that a lot of people who are coming from out from New York and California and other areas, they're leaving those areas for a reason and they're coming to Austin. And what he's afraid of is that Austin's going to change, that we're going to forget, they're going to forget what is at the core, what made Austin so special. And so essentially what he's doing is this minister of culture role is that they're capturing the attributes that, that made Austin what it is. And they're actually going to create a marketing campaign back to the citizens of Austin and to the newcomers. You know, this is what our community is. This is not what it is. This is what it is. And hopefully they can educate people and remind them that these are the things that bring us together. That, you know, we might be Democrats and Republicans, but when we look at the what's going on beneath, the core values that make the place so special, that those things can actually bring us together. That on political dimensions, these days, if we look to come together on those dimensions, we're going we're gonna to fail before we even get started. I yeah. love that thought. And he said that if, you, if it's successful, which I believe that it is, that you can be, it can be transported to anywhere in the world to, remi to have a community remind itself, to have a state, in the case of Mississippi, remind itself, what are the, what are the at the core of what makes Mississippi uh, so powerful? That then would create, whether you have differing points of view about policy or politics, 
it, it, then it, it rebuilds you know respect for one another and a, a respect for dignity and all the things that make this place so special that if we can get to that place again, I think we can then have debates about policy. And then once those debates are over with, we'll have dinner together. You, you agree with that, don't you? Absolutely. I, I, I actually talk to my kids all the time. I, uh, it might surprise some uh, listeners, but it may not if they're parents. Uh, my kids are kind of divided on the political spectrum. And, and we have conversations. And, and I tell them, when we lived in Washington, D.C., um, you know, some of the best friends I had at either the law firm or even on Capitol Hill were Democrats. And it's not it's not that I you know, believe in the Democratic policy at all, because I don't. But the thing is, like you said, there's so much more that unites us as a people, as Americans, than there is the divides, us. whether it's through sports, whether it's through, you know, pro bono or volunteer work, whether it's just through, you know, sharing a lunch, sharing a meal together. I mean, there's so much that brings us together. And there's no reason why Republicans and Democrats cannot be colleagues, cannot be friends, cannot work together. I mean, this whole notion that if you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican or if you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat and we have to be enemies, I don't think that's the case at all. I think, uh, I think our past, um, the history of our country has shown that's not the case. Um, yeah. That's not to say we're going to ever give up our principles or not fight for our principles because we are. But at the same time, we have to remember that we are all Americans and we have so much more in common than what divides us. Some of my best friends are Democrats and some of my best friends are Republicans and I value their input. It helps me, it helps me adjust my thinking. And, That's right. you know, if you just, uh, if you just open your mind, you can, you can really see, you may not necessarily agree, but you can see the wisdom of some of their thinking. And hey, listen, <clears throat> their Super Bowl is about to happen. And you and I have talked about human trafficking to some great yeah. degree in past conversations. To me, it's so sad that something like the Super Bowl happens to be the biggest time of year for human trafficking. That's terrible, isn't it? It's, it's horrible. And, you know, when I was U.S. attorney, we set up a statewide entity, the Mississippi Human Trafficking Council, to try to address this in our state. But as you said, uh, these huge sporting events, especially in Super Bowl, we see an explosion of human trafficking uh, go on around those types of events. And um, from my vantage point, uh, when I was U.S. attorney, we in the Department of Justice and the Department of Homeland Security, we sent, I can't even tell you how many law enforcement agents, federal law enforcement agents to a, an event like the Super Bowl, because unfortunately, um, you know, evil still exists in, in this world. And those individuals who treat minors, treat children like that as a commodity, as a piece of meat, and those who... Uh, engage in this type of sex trafficking, you know, purchase those human beings, if you will. Um, it goes on, it happens, and we, not just in law enforcement, but, but we in the public need to figure out ways to get involved, speak up, to help volunteer, uh, because it, it truly is one of the most heinous things that I saw as U.S. Attorney, and that's why we re re really mobilized here in the state of Mississippi to try to address it. Well, you know, when you and I talked about, I quoted uh, Tim Tebow, and I just always had this kind of in my head, but um, he said that it's dark and horrific. Mm. And, um, you know, a lot of people who are engaged and who, who are victims of, of human trafficking, um, it's very difficult for them to get out. And, you know, as you and I talked about, too, the, the thought that there's even a market, and it's hard to even say this, 
yeah. market for children. You know, you and I, you know, we have these resistances when, that come out in our bodies when we even say that, when right. we talked about it before. It just really tells you that it's, it's, um, it's something that we, as a, as a nation, should always be focused on. And anyone who's involved in those activities uh, should be should full, uh, face the full power of the law. And on top of that, we should be working extraordinarily hard to get people who are trapped by human traffic out of that terrible situation so they can have a life and have a sense of happiness. Absolutely. I mean, as a father of uh, six, I can tell you that was one of the highest priorities I had as U.S. attorney. And, and rescuing those children, I mean, they, they're going to have consequences for the rest of their lives stemming from this. And we have to come around these nonprofits, around these religious organizations that, that help them, not only in rescue, rescuing them, but rehabilitating them, you know, giving them the services they need to be successful and live. Um, as normal a life as they can after um, become after being a survivor of human trafficking. So a lot of things touch you as U.S. Attorney. Uh, I know that from our past conversation, human trafficking being just one of them. But what other passion do you lead that that seat with? You know, deep in your heart. Well, you know, I'm really proud of the men and women of that office because I can tell you, um, Ricky, in three years. Um, we almost tripled the number of indictments and federal defendants we prosecuted. In fact, in 2019, we prosecuted more federal defendants than have ever been prosecuted in the state of Mississippi's history. So, um, you know, this whole stereotype about government employees uh, doesn't actually fit the individuals in the U.S. Attorney's Office. And so I'm proud of the productivity, the, the efficiency, and, and just the work ethic they had. Um, you know, my priorities when I was there was one of the biggest was violent crime. You know, we really tackled, tried to tackle violent crime here in our capital city in Jackson. But um, just last year, we announced that in Gulfport, Mississippi, we're expanding our violent crime initiative down there. Uh, domestic violence has been a huge thing and in, in, in during the pandemic. And we started an operation um, named after a young lady, a Jackson State University student here who was killed. Uh, as a result of domestic violence. And we're really starting to educate the public, judges, lawyers, law enforcement, that we in the federal system can do more on the domestic violence front. And then there were many other things from free speech. We, we stepped in and, and helped a, a student down at Jones Community College who was being really subjected to anti-free speech rate restrictions to the church over, yeah. in, uh, over in Greenville who was uh, really restricted from even having drive-in church services. Wow. And so there were a lot of things that, uh, that we really stepped up and tried to get involved with in addition to human trafficking that, again, I, I think really made a, a difference in our communities and our neighborhoods and throughout the state of Mississippi. This has been Mike Hurst, the former U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Mississippi. Mike, thanks for your friendship to Coastview and your inspiration, and we look forward to staying in touch with you. Uh, thank you, Rick. Appreciate you. Good luck to you. Hey, when we come back, we're going to have a conversation with our friend Jeff Duncan. We'll see you after this break. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.